0: WNYC Studios. Snap Judgment's Zoom Lair. Welcome back to Snap, the Buds episode. My name is Glenn Washington. And next, we're going to bring back Nige Turner, Snap Judgment's resident youngin, an adultish podcast host. Now, Before the story begins, know that it does mention suicide. It contains graphic body imagery. Sensitive listeners, please be advised. Now, back in the late 90s, ever since Nige had his pacifier and his diaper on. Nige had one dream, and that dream was to become a firefighter. But Nige had no idea what his dream would cost. Nige, take it away. Nigel, get up!
1: My mom yells from downstairs. It's 7 a.m. on a Saturday. I'm 15. And again, it's 7 a.m. on a Saturday. Nigel, come on! I got a surprise for you. When she says surprise, I was out my room in under a minute. What is it? Just get in the car, boy. And ten minutes later, we pull up to a huge yellow wooden tower in the middle of a gated area. The wall is covered with overgrown vines, so you can't see what's in or out. But once we get in, I start to see high schoolers my age walking around in these navy blue uniforms, some doing push-ups and others racing each other while pulling a firefighter water hose? I'm so excited because ever since I was a little kid, there was only one job I could ever see myself doing. I'll just have my dad tell it.
0: When Nigel was a baby, we had one of the most difficult problems in keeping clothes on this uh, young boy. We would come in, he would have no diaper on, and he would always have this fireman's hat on be just naked as a jaybird and walking around the house just as happy as he could be with his fireman's hat on. So we knew early on that he was going to be a fireman.
1: Firefighting also runs through my bloodline. My grandmother's brother was the first black firefighter in our city. Everyone in my family still talks about him to this day, especially my dad. When he was younger, he was this close to becoming a firefighter, like job offer in hand and everything but my mom wouldn't let him. And here, 21 years later, that same woman was driving me to the Firefighter Youth Academy. Growth. The fire chief meets me at the door. What's your name, son? Uh, Nigel? Last name, son. Uh, Turner? Cadet Turner from now on. Um, okay? Okay what, cadet? Okay, thank you, sir. That's it. That's it. And like that, this place becomes my second home. The first thing that we would do is line up and drill. You know that right Right. face, left face, at ease, cadet. Are you looking at me, crazy cadet? (laughs) That kind of stuff that you see in every military movie. I complained about it a lot, but secretly, I loved it. Renegade, salute. Another reason I loved going to the academy was because my best friend was also there.
2: My name is Greg Hill. Knight is my bro. We go back since, sheesh, forever it seems like.
1: Greg's dream to become a firefighter began when he had a literal dream about becoming one in middle school. He was two years older than me, and he had already been training for a year.
2: My favorite thing that I like to do personally was just cook. It was, it was mainly breakfast. Uh, my eggs are always fire, and my bacon is too. Word to notch.
0: G, yeah, he yeah, you, you was,
1: cool. was cool. He was cool. He was cool. He was cool. Even Fire Academy aside, like Greg, no. Ask Greg about my grits. Hey, yeah, his grits are fire, though. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Fire. Fire. Oh, fire. fire. fire.
2: That was always my favorite aside from cleaning or doing drills. Just knowing that I had Nigel and me and it just made it even more fun. And I was actually selected as at, to be one of the best drill people to represent our group of fire academies. We also learned how to triage. They brought down real actors with like real blood and and all the clothes were were like cut up. Fire room simulations. They started like a fire in the room. So we had to like walk in and, and crawl like on our hands and knees and like stay together though at the same time and just search around to find people inside the fire
1: room. So it was just super intense. Even though the instructors were always yelling at us to run through walls and crawl through fires, they also became our mentors.
2: There was one instructor that we liked that was different from the others that we, I wouldn't say liked, that we loved. Just because um, he helped us to understand and, and really made it a lot easier just to, to get through the academy and, and not um, be so nonchalant about it and just
1: know that how serious this is. This instructor was by far my favorite as well. He was serious, but, like, a fun serious. He also took time to ask us questions and check in about how we were feeling about the box. As a firefighter,
2: you know, we're always the first of the scene. It could be a medical scene. It could be a a shooting and, like, an impaling or something like that. So uh, this instructor really um, got to us in, in having us understand that whatever situation that we get in, Uh, We never want the people to know that we're panicking. So whatever emotions that we have, we have to put that in a box and shove that away and focus on what the job is. And then later on, once we get home, maybe we can go, you know, we go to that one person um, that's always there for us. That's that's a good listening ear. And we just let open that box and just flow out our emotions about, you know, what's been going on and stuff like that. So that's that's what really uh, stuck with us most. Uh, and and especially going through life too.
1: For the next two years, Greg and I gave our blood, sweat, and tears to this dream of becoming firefighters. Like, when the counselor at my high school would ask me, what college are you going to? I'd proudly say none. Because after I graduate, I'm going to follow Greg to EMT school, then to the actual adult firefighter academy. Did you know that, like, I looked up to you in the, uh, in the academy? Stop playing do you remember that picture that you had that you had posted what, what picture at uh at the like Folsom Festival oh yeah, yeah as yeah, a part yeah. of his EMT training <laughs> Greg would work yeah. festivals and events in the Bay Area yeah. in full uniform and you everything were, I think you were like standing there and you had like your earpiece in your ear mm-hmm. you had like the whole like pants <laughs> and boots and, like the whole setup like, right, right, right. I remember you posted that and like everybody in the academy was like yo Greg <laughs> made it I'm like I want know like. How did you feel like in that moment when you had went to Folsom Festival and like posted that pic
2: so uh first off that Folsom Festival was wild it's a fetish festival so that involved some you know a lot of crazy things that you would think that you need medical attention to but people often denied that so for example there's a tent where they had sharp things that they cut each other with like the sensation of losing blood to people Turned people on so you would sometimes have people that would pass out and we would have to run over there and and, you know work on them and, and get them you know back conscious um I seen a live birth my first ever live birth I've seen at a festival like that was just blew my mind so how I felt when I was in that suit was you just felt that like you, you were here to, to help, to protect and serve. Like you were there to help. Like, okay, like they respected what you were in and they said hi to you and gave you things and stuff like that. So just knowing that you were there for the people was a great feeling.
1: Then one Saturday I show up and I can't help but notice that our favorite instructor isn't here. After class, I ask about him and all I can get from anyone is that he had a really bad emergency call where things just didn't work out and he lost someone. I think, okay, well, that happens time to time. I'm sure he'll turn up when he's ready, but next week, nope. And the Saturday after that? We could just tell in the other instructors that something was
2: wrong. You could just tell just the way they looked, the way they talked. It wasn't as much yelling as it normally is. So everybody knew something was wrong. Um. So they sat us in
1: the room, and that's when they told us the news. Our favorite instructor had passed away. No other details were given. That was the
2: guy that made us happy whenever he came into the door. He changed our whole mood of
1: seeing him, so that hurt. We all stand in a moment of silence for him. And then we're dismissed
2: what hit us so hard about the news was this was the instructor that that obviously told us about the box but he you know he, he took it very hard and and they put him on leave and un- unfortunately that it just you know he just took a bad turn
1: did you did that make you like waver from your decision of being a firefighter at all or
2: no not at all instead it just wanted us to to strive to be even better for him it sparked a fire in us to to remember the key things that he told us, for example, the box. So whenever we felt the emotion of, of, of missing him, we would go to one another and, and talk about it and, and just motivate each
1: other just to keep going strong and to never stop. I'm on kitchen duty that day making eggs and bacon for everyone, and all I can hear is the other cadets whispering about the announcement. I can't make everything out, but one word I keep hearing is... Suicide. I try my best to ignore it, but I don't know. Instead, I just add these feelings into my box. Eventually, it's my senior year of high school. Greg has now graduated from the academy and is on the EMT training. I have to do what are called ride-alongs with a local fire station. Almost every hour, we hop into the truck and we head on a call. And the rush, when you climb into the truck, sirens blasting while you're talking to your crew through your headset... Is like nothing I can explain. Except most of the calls are for small things. Like, no, Miss Brown, it's not a fire. You just need new batteries in your smoke detector. One morning, we hop in the truck and almost instantly, I can tell that the mood is a lot more serious. Once we arrive at the home, the firefighters ask me to follow them to the scene. But they also motion for me to hang back a little bit. So we inch into the backyard, and we find a man just sitting there in his hot tub, very still. I can only see the top of his head. I'm like 20 yards away, so I can't really smell much, but I see everyone's face scrunch up as they approach him. I see a firefighter check the man's pulse. Nothing. Then the captain says, let's get him out. So the three firefighters position themselves around the man to pull him out. As they lift the body, the man's skin slides right off. I throw up. The captain sits me in the truck while the rest of the group carries on with the job. On the way back to the station, we grab burritos, and we move on with the day like nothing happened. When I walk back to my car from the station after the day's all over, I don't think I can ever build that box. Not truly. And just like that, I was done. But for Greg, the dream went on. He tells me that he didn't pass the EMT test, but that's normal. And all he's got to do is retake the test in a few months, and that we'd celebrate when he graduated. A couple months later, I get a text from my friend Micah. Yo. Check Greg Snapchat.
2: So I had Snapchat rolling and I was on my computer looking at my test results and just going down slowly looking at each category because it was four categories. So the first category was a pass, you know, so, you know, felt excited about that. Second was a pass. Third was a pass. So I was like, cool, just one
1: more, just one more. And I'm like there. And the fourth one was a fail. What I didn't know was, this was Greg's fifth time failing the EMT test. He was just one or two questions off, just like in his previous attempts.
2: And that's when I I lost it. I just felt like I was
1: just worthless, like I had nothing else to give. A few minutes later, Micah drives to my house with my other friend, Abe. Once I hop into the car, Micah takes off, going over the limit, making sharp turns. I say... Yo, why are you driving so stupid? You about to kill us. Bro, check the group chat. As soon as I open it, I see a message from Greg saying,
2: This was the end of me. Like, this is my dream, and I can't do it. Like, I can't do it. I, I didn't feel like living. Um, I wanted to crash my car. I was going, like, maybe, like, 120 um. I just I just couldn't do it for some reason, but I really wanted to. Like,
1: that's just how I felt. We pull up outside of Greg's place and we call his phone. He doesn't answer. We start banging on his door and his mom lets us in. And we run up to his room. Then Mike and Nigel and A bust on our door and I'm like, what the heck? We slowly walk in and we see Greg on the edge of his bed. We sit on the floor and we just talk. We talk about all of our failures.
2: Bro, I spent thousands of dollars on trying to build my own business. It blew up right in my face. I just had to keep going.
1: How we all shot for the moon.
2: You remember the Cement Mason apprenticeship? And I tried that for 10 months, every day, trying to work it out, but I just didn't make the cut.
1: And landed flat on our butts. Out of all of us, none of our original plans worked out. And that's a heartbreak that was probably the most difficult to swallow, but we have to.
2: A lot of times, like, when I go through situations, I don't say I need people. I rarely ever say I need people there. So just knowing that you guys didn't really ask what's happened, you guys just instantly just came by, and that's what really helped me a lot, just to you know get a grip and get control of this emotion. So after we talk, like, Micah just comes out of nowhere and just tackles me, and then Abe jumps on top, and then Night is there just laughing. And by the way, these guys came from basketball, so it was smelling, stinking. So when they tackle me, I'm mad, so I'm just like, bro, y'all stink, like, come on, y'all get off me, like, y'all smell like like sweat. I'm trying to feel bad, I'm trying to, you know, have my self-pity, but these guys aren't letting me, but that's when I knew that even though I may be done with my dream...
1: Uh, I know that I'll never give up on them, no matter what. Firefighting stayed just a dream for us, and I guess that's what it's meant to be.
2: Because there's other moons you got to shoot for.
0: Thank you, Nige, for sharing this story. This piece was brought to us by Adultish a fantastic culture, advice, and storytelling show created by Snap alum Davey Kim and YR Media. It's hosted by 20-somethings, Nige Turner and Merck Nguyen. They just dropped their third season with our fine friends at Radiotopia, so stop whatever you are doing. Check them out, adultish, the podcast. Music for this story composed by the young artists at YR Media, including Clay Xavier, Marcel Angelo, and the young enough, Davey, triple threat, Kim.